reality is often underpowered by Gregory underscore Lewis. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Reality is Often Underpowered, published by Gregory underscore Lewis on the Effective Altruism Forum. Introduction. When I worked as a doctor, we had a lecture by a pediatric hematologist, on a condition called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. I remember being impressed that very large proportions of patients were being offered trials randomizing them between different treatment regimens, currently in clinical equipoise, to establish which had the edge. At the time, one of the areas of interest was, given the disease tended to have a good prognosis, whether one could reduce treatment intensity to reduce the long-term side effects of the treatment whilst not adversely affecting survival. On a later rotation I worked in adult medicine, and one of the patients admitted to my team had an extremely rare cancer, one, with, recognized, incidence of a handful of cases worldwide per year. It happened the world authority on this condition worked as a professor of medicine in London, and she came down to see them. She explained to me that treatment for this disease was almost entirely based on first principles, informed by a smattering of case reports. The disease unfortunately had a bleak prognosis, although she was uncertain whether this was because it was an aggressive cancer to which current medical science has no answer, or whether there was an effective treatment out there if only it could be found. I aver that many problems EA concerns itself with are closer to the second story than the first. That in many cases, sufficient data is not only absent in practice but impossible to obtain in principle. Reality is often underpowered for us to wring the answers from it we desire. Big units of analysis, small samples. The main driver of this problem for EA topics is that the outcomes of interest have units of analysis for which the whole population, leave alone any sample from it, is small and, for example outcomes at the level of a whole company, or a whole state, or whole populations. For these big unit of analysis small sample problems, RCTs face formidable in principle challenges. Even if by magic you could get, for example all countries on earth to agree to randomly allocate themselves to policy X or Y, this is merely a sample size of 200. If you're looking at companies relevant to cage-free campaigns, or administrative regions within a given state, this can easily fall another order of magnitude. These units of analysis tend highly heterogeneous, almost certainly in ways that affect the outcome of interest. Although the key selling point of the RCT is it implicitly controls for all confounders, even ones you don't know about, this statistical control is a, convex, function of sample size, and isn't hugely impressive at 100 per arm, it is well within the realms of possibility for the randomization happen to give arms with unbalanced allocation of any given confounding factor. Roughly, in expectation, balanced intervention arms are unlikely to be good enough in cases where the intervention is expected to have much less effect on the outcome than other factors, for example wealth, education, size, whatever, less an effect size that favors one arm or the other can be alternatively attributed to one of these. Supplementing this raw randomization by explicitly controlling for confounders you suspect, CF block randomization, propensity matching, etc., has limited value when don't know all the factors which plausibly swamp the likely intervention effect, i.e. you don't have a good predictive model for the outcome but for the intervention tested. In any case, they tend to trade off against the already scarce resource of sample size. These small sample problems aren't peculiar to RCTs, but endemic to all other empirical approaches. The wealth of econometric and quasi-experimental methods, for example IVs, regression discontinuity analysis, still run up against hard data limits, as well those owed to in whatever respect they fall short of the ideal RCT setup, for example imperfect instrumentation, omitted variable bias, nagging concerns about reverse causation. Qualitative work, case studies, etc., 
have the same problems even if other ones, for example selection, loom larger. Value of information and the margin of common sense. None of this means such work has zero value, big enough effect sizes can still be reliably detected, and even underpowered studies still give us information. But we may learn very little on the margin of common sense. Suppose we are interested in what makes social movements succeed or fail, and we retrospectively assess a, somehow, representative sample of social movements. It seems plausible the results of this investigation is the big, and plausibly generalizable, hits may prove commonsensical, for example. Social movements are more likely to grow if members talk to other people about the social movement, whilst the new lessons remain equivocal and uncertain. We should expect to see this if we believe the distribution of relevant effect sizes is heavy-tailed, with most of the variance in, say, social movement success owed to a small number of factors, with the rest comprised of a large multitude of smaller effects. In such case, modest increases in information, for example from small sample data, may bring even more modest increases in either explaining the outcome or identifying what contributes to it. Inger. Toy example, where we propose a roughly Pareto distribution of effect size among contributory factors. The largest factors, which nonetheless explain a minority of the variance, may prove to be obvious to the naked eye, blue. Adding in the accessible data may only slightly lower detection threshold, with modest impacts on identifying further factors, green, and overall accuracy. The great bulk of the variance remains in virtue of a large ensemble of small factors which cannot be identified, red. Note that detection threshold tends to have diminishing returns with sample size. The scientific revolution for doing good? The foregoing should not be read as general skepticism to using data. The triumphs of evidence-based medicine, although not unalloyed, have been substantial, and there remain considerable gains that remain on the table, for example leveraging routine clinical practice. The randomista trend in international development is generally one to celebrate, especially, as I understand, it increasingly aims to isolate factors that have credible external validity. The people who run cluster randomized, stepped wedge, and other study designs with big units of analysis are not ignorant of their limitations, and can deploy these judiciously. But it should temper our enthusiasm about how many insights we can glean by getting some data and doing something sciencey to it too. The early successes of EA and global health owes a lot to this being one of the easier areas to get crisp, intersubjective and legible answers from a wealth of available data. For many to most other issues, data-driven demonstration of what really works will never be possible. We see that people do better than chance, or better than others, in terms of prediction and strategic judgment. Yet, at least judging by the superforecasters, this write-up by AI impacts is an excellent overview, how they do is much more indirectly data-driven one may have to weigh between several facially relevant base rates, adjusting these rates by factors where the coefficient may be estimated by role in loosely analogous cases, and so forth. 3. Although this process may be informed by statistical and numerical literacy, for example decomposition, fermiization, it seems to me the main action going on under the hood is developing a large, and implicit, and mostly illegible, set of gestalts and impressions to determine how to weigh relevant data that is nonetheless fairly remote to the question at issue 4. Three final EA takeaways. Most who, for example, write up a case study or a small sample analysis tend to be well aware of the limitations of their work. Nonetheless, I think it is worth paying more attention to how these bear on overall value of information before one embarks on these pieces of work. Small nuggets of information may not be worth the time to excavate even when the audience are ideal reasoners. As they aren't, one risks them, or yourself, overweighing their value when considering problems which should demand tricky aggregation of a multitude of data sources. There can be good reasons why expert communities in some areas haven't tried to use data explicitly to answer problems in their field. 
In these cases, the calling card of EA-style analysis of doing this anyway can be less of a disruptive breakthrough and more a stigma of intellectual naivete. In areas where being driven by the data isn't a huge advantage, it can be hard to identify an edge that the EA community has. There are other candidates, investigating topics neglected by existing work, better aligned incentives, etc. We should be skeptical of stories which boil down a generalized EA exceptionalism. Thanks for listening to help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.